Romans chapter 3, and uh, let's start maybe maybe in about verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. I know that's, that's a lot of reading and a lot of ground to cover. But thinking about uh, in the first part of this, the law of God and the purpose of the law. Our world, and it's, it's been said a couple different times already today, that the mind and the thinking of, of our world is so corrupt. It's so off off of really what the Bible teaches, that even the law of God and how misused and misthought of that, that the law, and, and you know, the law is much more than this, but let's just say the Ten Commandments. Let's just take those ten and how misused that those commandments are. Man would take those and, and you know, I, I believe... If, if you're not there now, thank God that we're not no longer think this way. But I believe every man thinks this way, that, that at least has some kind of teaching. We take those commandments and we use that to gauge how good we're doing. And we take those commandments and we lay them beside us and, and I lay them beside Mickey and David and I say, you know, I, I believe I've kept more than, than most people around me have and I'm, I'm doing pretty good in the life that I'm living. But you know, that's, that's a complete misuse of the law of God. That is not why God gave the law. If you look in five or six verses before where we read, you're going to see what God says man is. And Paul here in Romans is going to quote a lot of scriptures, a lot from the Psalms, some from Isaiah, Jeremiah, about the condition of man. Man is, man's in sin. Yeah. Man's corrupt. Man's guilty before God. There is none righteous. No, not one. That's God's conclusion of man. That's not man's conclusion of himself. As man looks at himself, well, we're doing pretty good. And, you know, I, I try to be a good person and I, I try to do the right things and, and all manner of thinking. And, and there, there's the problem. It's already been quoted in Proverbs 16, verse 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Again in Proverbs 21. 
Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. There's two other places we can read that in Proverbs. We can see it in other places in the book as well. You know the way man is. It's not just my deeds that are corrupted by sin and by the devil, but even our thinking and reasoning has been corrupted. We're unable to think and understand what we really are before God because of, he says in Hebrews, the deceitfulness of sin. And so man's eyes have been covered up to the darkness and to the sin that's in his life. And God gives the law. Now, I, I want to take our time and I, I'd like to cover it as well as we are able to do by the Spirit of God. In Galatians 3, he's talking about the promise that God gave to Abraham. So Abraham, the father of faith, the beginning of the family of God there, as we know it in the Old Testament, there God gave Abraham a promise that through you and through your seed, and if you don't believe it in the Old Testament, he tells us in the New Testament that this promise was not a nation, but it was Christ that was promised to Abraham. So God had promised Christ was going to come through Abraham's lineage and family, and this man Jesus was going to bring a redemption and a salvation to the world. And then we read in Galatians 3 that 430 years after that promise, the law came on Mount Sinai. And now that law, that that was not added as a, a supplement to my salvation. That was not a means for me to to do good and do right and be saved before Jesus came. But what that was was a means to show me what I really was that I would look for the salvation that God was to bring. And so the law in verse 19 of Galatians 3 Wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So here God adds the law because of violation. Man was in violation of the glory of God, but here's corrupt man thinking that he's doing good. Here's corrupt man that thinks he's acceptable with God. He thinks that God's going to take him in the way that he is. So God's going to give the law to make manifest our sinfulness and wickedness before God. So back in Romans. So he says, Now we know what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. Now man would take that, that word right there and say, well, we're not under the law today. We're under grace. You know the ones that are under grace, they're the ones that's in Christ Jesus. And you know, if, if you're outside of Jesus right now, you are actively and currently under the law. And if a man leaves this world outside of Jesus, it's going to be that law of God that's going to be His judge. We're going to have to stand before God and be measured by the law of Moses. Well, I I don't believe that in the New Testament. Well, the Lord Jesus Himself told them, there's one that judgeth you, and it's Moses in whom you trust. They were carrying around the Bible of that day. They had the Old Testament. They claimed to believe it. They thought they were doing good. And Jesus said, you know what your judge is going to be? That that you trust in. That that you carry with you. 
Now that was New Testament. That was the Lord speaking to them. And so the law of God, those that are outside of Christ, they're still being measured and judged by the law. And we know, now this is what the Bible says, that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, under the law's authority, under the law's power, under the law's control, under the law's judgment, that every mouth may be stopped, fenced up, and all the world become guilty before God. Now this is what God says the law was given for. That my mouth of boasting and bragging about who and what I am, that that would come to a close. That my boasting about my good works and my righteousness of myself, when I stand before the law of God, you know, that that closes my mouth. What can I say? Well, you know, we're not as bad as others. Measuring ourselves by ourselves, the Bible says, is not wise. But the law was not given to measure me among you and to measure you by me. The law was given to measure me up to. And you know what righteous is? To, for God to declare a man to be righteous. The word means innocent. Not guilty of the law. Now we all said last week that we've all sinned. And if that's true then there's none of us that would be innocent of the law. Wouldn't you say that? So God adds these, let's just take those ten commandments now, the the ten basic principles of the righteousness and purity of God. If I'm going to stand before God and be righteous, I'm going to have to be innocent of every one of those commandments. I'm going to have to have kept those commandments completely and wholly all the days of my life in the past and all the days that I have left to live, if I'm going to be declared right with God by my works, it's going to have to be kept perfect. Now think about what a standard that is. And man says, there's no way that we can do that. That's exactly why the law was given. That man might recognize that he's broken the law that he's sinful and that he's got no hope in himself of ever coming to God by his works. That there's no way he can be acceptable of himself and through himself. And so all the world, not just the Jew, not just the Gentile, but that every man and woman, every boy and girl, as I come to the law of God, what I should draw out of that is My gosh, I am sinful. I am wicked. I've rebelled against God. I've broken His commandments and I'm in danger of the judgment of God. If something does not happen, then I'm in danger of eternal destruction. That's what the law says to me. There's no redemption and there's no mercy found in the law. When there's a breaking then there's judgment that goes with that breaking. That's the way the law is. That all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, so we're going to draw a conclusion. Now this ain't my conclusion. The Scripture is going to draw a conclusion. Therefore, by the deeds of the law. So that word means toll or labor. 
It's more than just twiddling my thumbs, but we're talking about hard work here is what he's saying. So by the toll of the law, the Bible says, there shall no flesh be justified to render, show, regard as innocent or just. By the works of the law, by what I'm able to do, by my hardest work, and boy, we can, we can work hard. I believe the Pharisees worked hard at being good. I believe they worked hard at studying and reading the Bible. They worked hard at praying. They, they worked hard at trying to be moral and paying their tithes and doing all of these works. And yet they were breakers of the law. And even with all that hard work, they weren't innocent. They were lawbreakers. So the Word of God says, by the deeds of the law, there shall no. I believe you could look back just a few verses. No, not one. There shall be no one, no person, no body justified in His sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law was given not for me to do better. That's what health and wealth preachers are preaching. They're preaching do better. They're preaching pick yourselves up by the bootstraps and, and try to live closer. They're preaching go out and fight Goliath and you defeat him. Go out and whoop him yourself. Go out and get the job done because you're well able to do so. That's not the message of the law. The message of the law is bringing me to the knowledge of my Sin. Not the sin of the world. You know, you can, you can get a lot of shouting by preaching on sin that's yeah. out in the world. Yeah. The world's always been sinful. Yeah. The law's given that I might come to the knowledge right. of my sin. That I might recognize what I truly am in the sight of Almighty God. That I might recognize that He says on over in Romans that sin might become exceedingly sinful. That it wouldn't just be a little white lie that's hid in the back and while that's, you know, that's really not all that bad. My sin's not all that rotten. Well, when I'm exposed to the law of God, I come to the knowledge that means full discernment or understanding. The law shows me just how black and just how wicked and just how dark that my sin is and my God, how far that I am from meeting the requirements that God requires for righteousness. How many laws do I have to break to no longer be innocent? So if I break one and I break one one time, I'm no longer innocent. Do you agree? Well, by the Word of God then, when you break one of the laws of God, you're no longer innocent. Now, let's sit down for a minute and let's take up an account of how many that we've broken. How many would you guess in your life How many times have we broken the commandments? You see how far that we are from being acceptable unto God? 
Lord, man by his works, well, we're doing all right. And that's what man says. And that's what man thinks. But by the law of God, I'm brought to the full discernment of what I really am. I'm brought to the discernment of, you know, if, if I start to do better now, I've already broken the law. I can't do better and it justify me. I can't do better and be innocent because I'm already guilty. Where does this leave me? In Galatians 3, he says the law was a schoolmaster. Yeah. And that schoolmaster, naturally speaking, that, that governor over the school, they're there to see that the kids learn what they need to learn. They're there to see that the kids grow the way they need to grow, that when they graduate, they're able to go out into the world and function. Well, the law is, in a picture, a schoolmaster. You know what the law's teaching me? that I can't do this on my own, that I've got no righteousness of myself, and it's pointing me to one that has righteousness that's able to justify me. So the law brings the knowledge of sin, and the law has to come first. You know, John the Baptist, you think about Jesus and John. Did Jesus, was it necessary that he have a forerunner. I mean, he, he was the Son of God. Yeah. But it was necessitated by the Scriptures, by the plan of God that John the Baptist come as a forerunner. You know what John's going to be preaching? Yeah. That we're sinners. That we need to repent and we need to be baptized for the remission of sins. You know what he's Man. preaching? He's preaching the law. He's preaching that we're guilty. If we could ever come to the place of full discernment of our iniquity, I'll tell you where man's naturally led then. As I become guilty before God, as I become in danger of judgment, I'll then begin to look for a remedy that can take care of my ailment. It's already been said, the, the whole and the well, they don't have need of a physician. You know why the world's not seeking after God? Because they have no discernment of their iniquity and of their guilt before God. They're on the road to eternal destruction and they are blind to the condition that they're in. You know what they need to hear? They need to hear the, the Word of God yeah. preached and proclaimed. Amen. That the law of God be preached that I come to the full discernment of my guilt before God. Uh, well, I, I just don't like preaching of the law. I understand that. And I know why. That people, people don't want to be guilty. We don't want to feel guilty. But you know, without this guilt, I'm not coming to the Lord Jesus. John's preaching that man would see and recognize he's a sinner that when the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin... Now, if I don't have sin, I don't need a Lamb to take it away. But you know, if I'm rotten, and if I'm wicked, and if in my eyes I need help, or I'm going to be cast into hell, then I'll be glad when the Lamb of God comes. So John the Baptist preaching, it's there to point man to the Lamb of God that's coming. And that's what he says in verse 21. Now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So the righteousness of God, this, this is not the righteousness of Adam. 
This isn't the righteousness of Joseph. That word of, a lot of times you see that and it means to originate in. The point from which action begins. And so here this righteousness, it didn't originate in this world. This righteousness didn't originate with man. This righteousness didn't originate in the seed of Adam. But this righteousness, it originated in heaven, in God the Father. That God the Father looked down through the ages of time, saw man in his sin, and said, I'm going to prepare my son a sacrifice. I'm going to provide them righteousness. I'm going to put it on their case through the blood of my son that they might be redeemed and have peace with me. That we might be reconciled. So the righteousness of God originating in God without the law. Not not something that I do. Well, I want to do something. I want to earn it. Because we're not innocent. It's impossible that redemption be earned. If I'm guilty today, there's nothing I can do to be innocent tomorrow. See, I am guilty. I'm not waiting to find out whether I'm guilty or not. You know that. I'm not waiting to find out whether I've sinned, but God has manifestly declared in the law that I have indeed transgressed the commandment, that I am in danger of the judgment. Well, preacher, I'm not as bad as the others. i tell you what the Bible says, both Jew and Gentile, the religious and the unreligious, the good and the bad, the moral and the immoral, they are all together guilty before God and they've all been shut up together. All of the world is guilty before the Lord. But God is manifested. We talked about that word last week. That as they bring that new car onto the stage and it's covered up with that cloth, somebody's going to manifest that to the crowd. They're going to throw the cover back off of it and reveal what's inside. You know what God's done? God uses the law to bring us to guilt. He uses the law to show us our sin and and how glorious to a sinner that is lost and undone, that sees his guilt, that sees his shame, and that sees the judgment that's to come. How wonderful when the cover's pulled off of the Son of God. And I can see a means now for me that was hopeless to be redeemed. God has manifested being witnessed. Now this wasn't a new doctrine I believe Paul fought that battle a whole lot with the Jews and the Judaizers that you're making up stuff that is not Scripture. You're going out on a limb. You're going into business for yourself and you're making up things that there's no Scripture to back up. Paul says, I'm not making this up. This was witnessed by the law and by the prophets. And so, you know, just, just, a, just a few examples from the Old Testament. We can look back to the one he's going to look at in chapter 4, Abraham himself. And Abraham, Abraham's not going to work to obtain righteousness. He's not going to, I mean, if you think that, Abraham's going to lie about his wife. Well, a lie's not too bad. But this was the lie that he told 
It was a lie that another man was going to take his wife and marry her and lay with her because he lied about who she really was. And had God not done a work, that would have happened. So this was a wicked lie. It's not by Abraham's works, but the Bible says in Genesis 15 that Abraham believed God and it was counted. It was imputed. God took that out of, out of, if you'll see it as a picture, God's bank account of righteousness. Abraham didn't have a check that would cover the debt that he owed to the law. So God said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to transfer some righteousness out of my bank account. I'm going to transfer that to Abraham's. And when he stands before the law, he'll have what he needs to pay his debt. And so in that picture there, you can see the righteousness that was to come. That it was never meant to be earned. Never meant to be earned. But God was going to accomplish this. Those those were. Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration in the book of Luke. And He's there with Elijah and Moses. And they are discussing His decease that word's exodus, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. What were they talking about? They were talking about what Moses and Elijah talked about all through the Old Testament. The death of the Lamb of God that was going to bring redemption for those that were in Him. And so we can look, even in Isaiah, I think Isaiah had some of the clearest visions of the work Jesus was going to do. He, the, Isaiah in, in 53, he saw a lamb that was going to be suffering and as the lamb was being beaten, our spots and our bruises and our iniquities and our sickness was being taken away. It was being transferred. You see the transfer happening when you go to a store, when you go to Walmart to get groceries. You get your buggy full, you ring that up, and you take what they've got, and they take what you've got. They take your money, you take their goods. There's a transaction. Well, here is a transaction. He sees it in Isaiah that the Lord Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, the the just one, the one that knew no sin, on Him was laid my sin. On Him was laid my iniquity. On Him was laid my filthiness. And He carried that to the cross and paid for it. And from Him, His perfection, His holiness, His righteousness, living by the law is transferred to me and boy who benefits from that yeah. mm-hmm. my sin was laid on him his righteousness was laid on us that's the righteousness that's manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there's no difference. So there's no difference in Jew and Gentile. There's no different way for... That doesn't exist. In Paul's day, when it really mattered, it it was a big deal then. Jew and Gentile was a big deal. Paul says it doesn't matter what you are. All are going to come to righteousness 
this same way. So how do we come into this righteousness which is by faith? The channel that this righteousness is imputed to me is through and by faith. That word means persuasion or conviction of moral truth. It's through this persuasion and conviction of this truth that God imputes this righteousness on me. Well, I believe, and a lot of people believe, I believe in Jesus. But is, is that real biblical faith? You know what this faith does here? The faith that he's talking about in Romans. When a man is persuaded and convicted, he's going to go on to say in chapter 4 that Abraham was fully persuaded. Abraham was so persuaded that when God said, go offer Isaac on the mountain, Abraham went to offer Isaac on the mountain. Noah was so persuaded that when God said, build an ark, Noah went to build an ark. Abraham was so persuaded when God called him out of his home country, Abraham left his home country. Moses was so persuaded that he forsook the riches and treasures down in Egypt that he might suffer affliction because he knew who God was. That's what biblical faith does. When a man is persuaded and the Spirit of God moves in, a change of life will be manifested by the work of God in the heart. So I, I believe, a lot of people believe, but this righteousness is by faith. Yeah. And a faith that changes the course and direction of the life. Paul the Apostle, Paul was a believer in God before. But when God appeared to him on the road to Damascus, Paul was persuaded of the truth. And do you know what that persuasion did? It changed the course of his life. If I could persuade you that if you invest some money in this, it'll be ten times by tomorrow. If I could absolutely persuade you that that was for sure going to happen, would you do that? It would change what you were going to do, wouldn't it? Now that you're persuaded of this. God's faith, God's persuasion, it makes new creatures out of men and women. For there is no difference... For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that word sinned, it means to miss the mark and not take part in the prize. So the picture's archery. And we got a target up here the size of a 50 cent piece. If you can stand at the door and hit that dot, I'll give you $100. Now if you miss it, by this much, and your arrow hits here, or you miss it by this much, and your arrow hits here. Both have missed the mark, and neither take part in the prize. Would you agree? That both are, though one may be, look how much farther off he was than me. I still miss the mark, and I'm not obtaining the prize. Well, here, the mark of righteousness then is the law of God Almighty. God set up the standard of the law, and He says, if you can hit this mark, He says it. 
the man that doeth these things mm-hmm. yeah. shall live in them. Yeah. Yeah. If you can do it, you can live. Yeah. Yeah. If you can keep them, you can have life through them. But boy, man shot at the mark and shot at the mark and shot at the mark from Adam all the way till today. And man's missed the mark of God every single time. And you know, you might argue, well, I I hit closer than you did. Fair enough. Maybe you did. You might have been way closer than I was. But know this, I missed it and I'm unrighteous, and you've missed it, and you're unrighteous. And if we're going to obtain any part of the prize, it's going to be because somebody else hit it, and they share. You see that? I'm not getting it because of what I've done, and neither are you. And so every man has sinned to miss the mark and come short of, to be inferior. So if God's mark is here, this is what you have to reach in order to be righteous. And I hit her to right here. I've come short, haven't I? If I hit right here, I've, I've come short. I'm short no matter where on the scale that I am. Well, preacher, I'm knocking the top mark. I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm closer than... Anybody that's ever lived on the face of the earth has ever been. I don't believe that, but we'll go with it if that's what you want to think. So you're the best of every man that's ever lived, and yet you still have come short of the perfect righteousness of God set forth. We've broken it, and we're guilty. And now, if we're guilty, and the wages of sin is death then what lays in our future is eternal destruction at the judgment of God and them that are dead are going to be cast into the lake of fire. The Word of God, He tells me that. I don't make that up. I don't think that. That's not a theory of the churches, but God reveals that in His Holy Scripture that that is what lies ahead of them that are outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, well, since everybody's done it, God's going to have to overlook it, ain't He? Tell that to Noah. Noah and his wife, and he had three sons and they had three wives. So eight people and the rest of the world. Did God overlook? Well, how many was that? I don't know how many there were on the earth in Noah's day. We got another picture though that as the children of Israel come up out of Egypt, there were 600,000 men of fighting age between 20 to 50 years old. There were 600,000 men. And only two of those men believed what God said and got to enter in. Why, preacher, that's, that's two to 599,998. Surely God's going to overlook because so many have been wrong. Surely God's going to overlook sin. And He didn't, did He? We've even got them as they're about to enter into the promised land. They count the people. And you know what the conclusion is reached? That everyone that was above the age of 20 
at the day they came to Kadesh Barnea and rejected the word of God. Every one of them was dead and had died in the wilderness. God had not allowed one of that number to enter in. And God can't. If God is going to skirt the law, then God's no longer just. If I'm willing to let down the standard for one person then I'm not being just with everybody else, am I? If God's going to lower the standard for, for me and keep it high for these people down the road, then you see that God's being unjust. He's no longer being fair. But God's perfectly just. The standard can't be moved. Every man has sinned. and come short of the glory of God being justified. So that's declared innocent or just. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So that word freely there, it means gratuitously or without a cause. Why why does God save man? It's freely. It's not that I've done something to to earn that opportunity, but God freely gives man, man that is presently in sin, man that is presently in rebellion against God, man that is presently going against the law of God, God freely gives opportunity for man to come and have part of the redemption. That's ransom in full. Right. That all that was owed there was paid. That we could be liberated from our sin and our guilt before God, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. These are words from looking back to the Passover. That the propitiation, that atoning sacrifice that was given, you know when the Passover, the the original one down there in Egypt. God was going to come through the land and God was going to kill the firstborn of every house. Every single house in the land of Egypt, God was going to kill the firstborn in it. And He said, look, if you'll do this, if you'll kill a lamb and He laid out all the rules and all the regulations and you'll put the blood on the doorpost, then when I pass by, I'll see that blood and I'll pass over you. So what's happened there? God provided an atoning sacrifice. And if they followed the prescription that God gave, then that lamb would die in the place of the firstborn in that house. Do you see that? The lamb died that the firstborn wouldn't have to. So there was that atoning, there was that remission, that passing over. So it's not that they weren't inside of the judgment of God. They were. They were in danger of the judgment of God. But God provided them a sacrifice to escape that. And so that's what we have in Jesus. It's not that we're better than the rest of the world. It's not that the church is a more moral, upstanding people and that's why that we are who we are. But it's that God has given us a sacrifice and atoning death. And He died 
in my place. It was me that deserved to die and He died so that I would not have to die. He bore the sin and He ransomed in full. He made full atonement for my iniquity. And so in Jesus, when I stand before God, when the church stands before God, we don't owe anything. Listen, through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now you think about it. It wasn't the day that man's born that he comes to faith in Jesus. But you know, I, I believe for most people and there may be some, and, and I, I wished that all would be saved at a young age, as a little child before they go into sin. But the vast majority, I'm going to say they grow, they're led to believe they're righteous and they're good and they're holy, they think that they're alright, and they live a life that, honest to God, is sinful and rebellious towards God. And so, as man goes on... This work of God that's coming. You know, God's going to have to be forbearing with man in order for this to come to pass. Look at how forbearing. That's to put up with. Look at how much God has put up with that we could have the opportunity that we've got today. If man today is lost and outside of Jesus... Would you look at all of the sin that God has allowed to go on? That God has withheld His righteous judgment from overcoming? You know what God is? You know what the Bible says that God is? A consuming fire. Man thinks that He going to be best buddies. God is righteous and holy and pure and upright. And He's perfect in every way. And He is a consuming fire. And God has withheld His fiery judgment through forbearance. He has put up with sin. And if God was not forbearing, there would never be anybody saved. If God didn't put up with it for a span of time, nobody would come to the knowledge of God. But God would have swiftly and quickly destroyed us all in our rebellion. And yet God's been forbearing that He might pay in full what we owed, that Jesus might be our propitiation to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness. So whose righteousness is being declared? God's perfect righteousness is being declared that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now here's the amazing part of this plan that people that are indeed guilty sinners are being declared innocent and the law of God is being perfectly upheld in that being done. 
How can God be just and not move the standard and sinners be allowed in and declared as righteous? How can that be? It's through this plan. See, it's impossible with our means. He says in the last verse, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. So this faith, this doesn't tear the law all the way down. Man seems to think that in his mind. But what it does is it establishes this. It establishes the law that I can't come to this by my own works. It's only through the atoning death of Jesus. So how does this happen? Jesus came to this earth and He lived a sinless and a spotless and a perfect life. He perfectly met the requirements of the law of God. We know that because death couldn't hold Him. And death couldn't hold Him because there was no sin, no guilt found in Him. And so He lives this perfect life meeting the requirements and the righteousness of the law of God. And then Him being perfect, sinless and righteous, who there was no cause of death in Him, He's going to be put to death. Not for the guilt of His sin, but for the guilt of the sins of the world is laid on Him. And there He carries that to the cross and He makes payment for our iniquity. How can sinners be made righteous? They come to Jesus by faith in this work. And God imputes that righteousness that He earned on their case. And their sin is carried away by the Son of God to the cross. And we're innocent, not by the deeds of the law, not by any work that I've done, but all by the work that Jesus Christ done. I am innocent and pure and made right in the sight of God through the atoning blood of the Lamb of God. And outside of this, now, outside of this blood, I've got no hope of making it through the judgment of God. That's all.